Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are holy, you're almighty, and you're eternal and worthy of our praise. And when we look at you, we see ourselves differently, so we confess our sins to you. Those things we said and thought and didn't do, Lord, forgive. And the things we left undone, Lord, forgive us. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sins, and thank you for giving us your righteousness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in. Thank you that we have the Word of God. Thank you for a place to meet. Thank you for freedom of religion in our country. Thank you for food to eat. Lord, we are a needy people. That's why we're here. We're not here because we're good. We're here because we need you. And you know our needs and pray that you would meet our needs. As we open up your word, Holy Spirit, teach us. We pray that you would move and win the lost and build believers and equip workers and, Lord, multiply disciple makers so that we can spread the gospel throughout our county. Lord, we need a revival Will you not yourself revive us again? In your, this community, our nation needs a spiritual awakening. May a revival overflow into a great spiritual awakening in our country, a great turning to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy 2, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, it's a great idea to bring a Bible. It is God's Word. And I'm not going to do this every week, but we did this last week, and since we're reading the same passage, I'm going to ask you to do it again. If you would stand as we read God's Word. In many churches, their tradition when they read God's Word is to stand to kind of get people, wow, this is really important. It's God's Word. <clears throat> First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Uh, you may be seated. A, a, a grandmother took her grandson to church with her, and as they were leaving church, the grandson said to his grandmother, Grandmother, you and God are a lot alike. And man, she was so thankful for that kind of polishing her halo in her mind. And she said to her grandson, how are we both alike? And her grandson said, you are both really old. <laughs> oh, and, and, and I want you to know, I am really old. But I love Jesus. And what I want for you more than anything in the world is that you would love Jesus. Because I believe nothing would change your life in our community like a group of people who love Jesus. And I have spent my week looking at Jesus and falling more in love with him. And I get to bring you in today and show you what I learned about Jesus. And we're going to start this week kind of where we left off last week with a little bit of a review. 
because the point of last week's message is really the point of this week's message too, and that is that we get to pray. We get to pray. People ask me, Smiley, do we have to pray? If you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything. But we learned last week, we get to pray. And we get to pray all the time for everyone to be saved. We learned last week that prayer is not so much something we do, but someone we're with. That we get to do life with Jesus. We're walking with Him. and He speaks to us through His Word, and we respond back to Him in prayer. And we learn that everything Jesus asks us to do is impossible for us to do. And so we pray. We ask him to help us. So he speaks to us through his word. We speak back to him in prayer. And prayer is really important. It says here it's of first important. He says, first of all. And we learn that to pray all the time is there's all kinds of prayer. Matter of fact, we have a prayer sandwich here, don't we? Verse 1, first of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made. You see, there's all kinds of prayer. We can pray when we're alone. We can pray together with all kinds of prayer. That's the top piece of bread. And the bottom piece of bread is verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands with wrath and dissension. So to pray all the time, what I find helpful with that is an acrostic called Acts. It's called Acts. Because to me, there's four kinds of prayer. There's adoration, where we praise God for who He is. There's confession, where we acknowledge who we are. There's thanksgiving, where we thank God for being good to us. And then there's supplication, where we bring our needs to God. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when I prayed, I modeled that for you. Remember? Remember how I prayed? I started off saying, holy, holy is God. That's praise God for who He is. And then remember, I confessed my sins, our sins, right? And then I gave God thanks, and then I made supplication. It's helpful if we're going to pray all the time that we're continually praising God for who He is, adoration, that we confess and thank and and make supplication. So that's that we pray all the time. (laughs) And then last week we learned we pray for everyone. Verse 1, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, that we pray for everyone to be saved, because the one thing we all need is Jesus. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our families. We pray for our church. We pray for our community. We pray for the world, because we long for everyone to be saved. And today, as Paul teaches us how to expand our prayer circles, Today we're going to focus on verse 2 for kings. So we want to learn to pray for those in civil government. Um, And and if you'd like to pray for those in our civil government, I don't know if you noticed it, but when you came in today on the high top table, there's a list. This is not all of those involved in our civil government, but many because the scriptures call us to pray for the civil government and you can pick up a list and begin to do exactly what the scriptures say. But some of you are saying, well, why do you say civil government? Because notice what it says, that we are to pray for kings and all who are in authority. A couple of hundred years ago, people would never say government. And the reason is there's many kinds of government. There's self-government. And that's the most important kind of government, self-government. Because the more self-government we have, the less external government that we need. So there's self-government. And then there is family government. Did you know that God set up a government structure in the family? And then there's church government, and then there's the civil government. 
And then as we talk about the civil government, most people go immediately to the federal, but there's local and state as well as the national government. And so today, we're going to begin to learn how to pray for those in authority. So I'm going to start with the standard, and the standard is that God established authority for our good. God loves us, and so he's established authority for our good. My wife loves order. She loves structure. Maybe her favorite verse is 1 Corinthians 14, 40, but all things must be done properly in an orderly manner. And the reason Karen loves that, she says, if you don't have order, you have what? You have chaos. So order is really a pretty good thing, right? So when I was in seminary back when dinosaurs roamed the planet, what, what they would say is that Baptists preach water. And that's true, right? You, know, you need water. And then Methodists preach fire. Uh, fire. You ever seen the symbol for the United Methodist Church? There's what? There's, there's fire that's coming down. But you know what they said about Presbyterians? Presbyterians preach order. Preach order. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so God established authority for our good. God established authority in the home, in the family, for our good. As a church, we believe the family is God's institution. God instituted the family. It's God's institution, and it's the basic building block of human society, and we really need the family, right, more than anything. So the family is God's institution. God defined marriage. God said marriage is the permanent union of one man and one woman. And then God gave a special gift to be enjoyed in marriage alone between a husband and wife, and that's sex. Sex belongs in marriage to be enjoyed between a husband and wife because God gives a purpose for marriage. The purpose of the family is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The family is God's institution, one man, one woman, sex and marriage, so that people could be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with people that are made in the image of God. And because God loves us, God set up authority in the home. Did you know that? In Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. Did you know that God established an authority uh, system in the home? The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. The husband's the head of the family. The wife's called to submit to her husband. The husband's called to be a loving leader to his wife. God gives structure in his word. There is even more structure than that in the home. In chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That God set up a mother and father in authority and children underneath that authority. Uh, Therefore, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. God gave authority for our good. And then he says to fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the standard is God has established authority because he loves us. He's established authority in the home. And then God has established authority in the church. 
Did you know the church is God's institution? Oh, listen, the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell and the church was birthed. And uh, God, gave, God gave a purpose to the church. We have an important purpose, and it is to remedy human nature. The church can do what the civil government cannot do. We are here to remedy human nature, and for this, God has given the church a superpower. He's given us a superpower, which is the gospel. Oh, man, I am so thankful to be a Christian. Listen to what's been entrusted to us as a church. In, um, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Just like God gave something special to the family, God gave something special to the church, the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We have the cure for death. It is the gospel that saves people. The gospel saves marriages. It sets people free from pornography and from drugs. And alcohol. The gospel changes people. It is the remedy for human nature. And God's also established authority in the church. Did you know that? As we read through 1 Timothy, we'll learn about that. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the elders. See the word elders? The Greek word is presbyteros. Uh, a presbyter is an elder, a mature Christian. Good news is a Presbyterian church. What that means is we have a plurality of elders in our, uh, in our, that governs our church. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. We have eight ruling elders, and then we have two teaching elders. Dave Ackerman, who is our World Golf Village campus, and, and, and me, we are teaching elders. But the church is led by a team of elders, just like the Scripture said. And uh, so we are governed by elders, and then we are to give honor to those who rule and teach us. In Hebrews chapter 13, um, it was interesting, a few weeks ago I said, don't wreck your life, and I had two men who, who put on their card, hey, could we have lunch? I don't want to wreck my life. And you know what I told them? First thing you need to do is connect to Jesus if you don't want to wreck your life, and the second thing you need to do is find a church and connect to it. Put yourself under their authority. Because here's what the Bible says. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why is it so important to find a church and put you under the leadership? Because we're capable of wrecking our lives. Don't we read it every day? Don't we hear every day people wreck their lives? And if we think we're so spiritual, we're not going to wreck our lives, we are headed to disaster. But if we say, man, Jesus, I want to live under you. I need a church. I don't want to wreck my life. That's why God set up authority in the church. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. What's more important than your soul? As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So God has established authority. 
He's established authority in our homes, right? We have husbands to wives and mothers and fathers to children. He's established authority in the church that you have elders who oversee the church and, and then members who are underneath that authority for our good. And then God has established authority in our country. In our country, God established the civil government. Did you know that the civil government is one of God's gifts to us? The civil government is God's institution. And uh, re remember when God has instituted the civil government? Anybody? I've taught you before. Anybody remember? <sighs> this time you're going to remember, right? God established the civil government after the flood. After the, before the flood, there was no civil government. People I talked to, oh, we live in the worst time ever. No! Before the flood, there was no civil government restraining human nature. Before the flood, the world was filled with a contempt for God, violence and immorality unimaginable to us. It was so bad that God destroyed the earth with the flood except for Noah and his family. And after the flood, the flood had wiped out people, but you know what? It did not change what? Human nature. So to keep the world from get, being as bad after the flood as it was before the flood, God gave us the civil government. Here it is in, in Genesis chapter 6. God tells Noah, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Oh, God says human life is so sacred. Every human being is made in the image of God. And if anyone would ever dare to take the life of a human, another human being, that God established the civil government, gave the civil government a power, the sword, the power of life and death, and gave the civil government a purpose to restrain human nature. So, see, God established the civil government with a purpose to restrain human nature, to keep things from being as bad after the flood as they were before the flood. And for this, he gave the power of the sword, life and death, to restrain human nature. That's why we have police and courts to protect us from one another. And that's why we have an army to protect us, or military to protect us from others. So we come to the Newer Testament in, in Romans, and uh, <clears throat> in Romans 13, verse 1, we read, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. God established the authority in the home, and God established the authority in the church, and God established the, civil, the authority in the civil government. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, uh, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for, from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. Uh, but if you do evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. That's the power given to the civil government, the power of life and death. It does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God to avenge, 
an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. (laughs) If there is no civil government with the power of life and death, you have chaos. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God. That's why they're called public servants, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So, so far we've seen the standard, okay? That God has established authority for our good in the home, in the church, and in the country. The problem is, the problem is only one person gets authority right. The problem is only one person gets authority right, and it's not you, and it's not me. It's it's Jesus. Only Jesus gets authority right. You see, the bad news of the gospel is we have an authority problem. (laughs) We do, don't we? We have an authority problem. We do not submit well. Is that a true statement? It's true, isn't it? It's true of all of us. We do not submit well to God's authority, do we? Isn't that what sin is? God says, I want first place, and we say, that's a good idea, but I've got a better idea. And, I mean, come on, God says sex belongs in marriage. Anybody in our culture say, that's, you know, that's a good idea, but I've got a better idea? We refuse to submit to God's authority. <laughs> we have a sin problem. And God says you shall not bear false witness. And we say, well, we don't care what you say. We do not like authority. So we rebel against God's authority. And then we rebel against our parents' authority. And then we rebel against our church authority. And then we rebel against the civil authority because we have an authority problem. And that's when we're under authority. (laughs) And when we're in positions of authority... We have an authority problem too, don't we? Because we don't wield authority well, do we? When when, when people are in a position of authority, let's say in the home, there's weak authority in the home and there's overbearing authority, right? I mean, isn't it true that there are so many homes today that are fatherless homes? The dad's not even there. And then in other homes, what do we have? We have domestic violence, don't we? Of men abusing their position. Don't we have both? Don't we have those who under-discipline their children? Don't we? And don't we have those who what? Who over-discipline their children? You see, we get authority wrong when we're under authority, and we get authority wrong when we're in positions of authority. How about in the church? Are there not weak leaders in the church and overbearing leaders? Are there not churches where the leaders refuse to believe and defend and advance the gospel? Aren't there? But don't we hear stories every week of pastors who are abusing their powers and sleeping with members in their church, don't we? They abuse that authority. Isn't that true in our country too? Isn't it true with the civil government that sometimes we have weak civil government that refuses to protect its people from one another and from others, right? But don't we have those in civil government who have overbearing power? I mean, let me ask you a question. In the last century, in the 20th century, did more people die in foreign wars or at the hands of their own civil government? Which one? Do you know six times more people were killed 
by their own civil government that died in the wars that happened. Oh, what does the Bible say about us? In Romans 3, verse 23, it says, What for? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, the standard, the standard is that, that God has given authority for our good. The problem is that only one person gets, gets authority right. We've all sinned, both living under authority and exercising authority. And so the solution, the solution to our authority problem is we need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus to get authority right because Jesus is the only one who gets authority right. He lived his whole life in perfect submission to the Father. Oh, if we want to know what it looks like to live under authority, we look at Jesus, right? I mean, in John 8, in John 8, listen to what Jesus said. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I, what? Always. Would you say that? <laughs> for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Oh. Jesus is our model for what it looks like to live under authority, what it means to submit. He did it perfectly. Jesus submitted well. He he. he he obeyed well, but he also led well. When he was in a position of authority, he exercised that well perfectly, didn't he? Uh, you remember the story. James and John, they send their mother. <laughs> they send their mother to ask for the two best seats in the kingdom, right? And the other disciples weren't too pleased with that. And so in Matthew 20, and hearing this, that James and John sent their moms to ask for the two best seats, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Jesus says that in the unbelieving world, those that are in power let people know they're in power. Don't we see that sometimes? Someone gets pulled over by the police and they say what? Don't you know who I am, or police abuse their power, right? Don't we hear of stories like that? They lord it over them. And then Jesus continued and said what? Um, But whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Uh, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I mean, how... Are we to exercise authority? Well, like Jesus, right? I mean, when Jesus came, what? He didn't come to be served, but what did he? He served and served and served, and then what? And then he gave himself. He gave himself as a ransom for many. Where do you think our idea of those in the civil government being called public servants? Where do you think that came from? It came from Jesus, who was a servant leader. So, listen. We need Jesus to get authority right because the bad news of the gospel is none of us have gotten authority right. We've not lived well under authority. We've not exercised authority well. That's why Jesus came. He lived a perfect life so he could save us from our sins, right? Back in 1 Timothy, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. He saves us. We don't save ourselves. Who desires all men to be saved? We've all sinned. We all need a Savior and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is unique. He's God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth, fully God and fully man. Why? Who gave himself as a ransom for all. Because we got authority wrong, Jesus lived a life and got it right. And then he went to the cross as a man. He could die in our place. And as God, his death would be of, of infinite value. So Jesus died for our sins. Notice he gave himself. He didn't have to. He loved us enough that he gave himself for us. He died for our sins. He was buried. And the third day, he rose from the grave. And he offers us salvation. You know what salvation is? He forgives us for how we've messed up authority. And then it means he moves into us. He moves into us and he lifts us to the standard so that we can get authority right, so that we can learn how to live under authority and we can learn how to exercise authority. Grace isn't about Jesus lowering the standard and saying it doesn't matter. No, it's about him forgiving us and moving in and lifting us to the standard. Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you asked him to lift you to the standard so that you could respond well to authority and handle authority well? You ever wish you could start over in life because you just messed it all up? Do you know you can? You can. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. There is a way to start over, right? Uh, is it, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Would you like to be forgiven of your sins? Would you like to have Jesus living in you, lifting you to the standard you can? You know you can. The way we get that is we believe in Christ. And that's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And I'll never forget the day I understood the gospel and, and I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've disobeyed you. I've broken my parents' hearts over and over again. I admit that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. And if, if you've never done that, won't you do that now or when we close in prayer? Oh, the things I did to my parents. Uh, and then I believed. Jesus, I believed. You died on the cross for my sins and rose because my sins are a big deal. Our sins are. And, and then I committed. I said, Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And, and I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you receive him? And if you have, do you hear what it says? Listen, when, when we believe in Jesus, everything begins to change. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. When Jesus moved in, I was forgiven, but he changed me, and my attitude toward authority began to change. Didn't yours? Because when Jesus moves in, he lifts us. He lifts us to the standard. Oh, when Jesus moves in, he says, follow me. He says, we're under new management now. It's all different now. Follow me. And Jesus becomes our model for life and ministry. And to help us follow him, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit who says, look at Jesus. Look at how he responded to authority. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the way you want to live? Follow him. Look at Jesus. Look at the servant leader he was. Isn't that the way you want to be? Don't you want to lead like that? Follow him. Oh. So what did we learn that the standard God established authority for our good. 
The problem is only one person gets authority right. That's Jesus. And the solution is we need Jesus. We all do to forgive us, to move into us, to lift us to the standard. So I bet you can't guess what the um, action step is going to be. It's just going to be to pray, to ask Jesus to help us, to help us lift us to the standard. Let me show you that. Verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Uh, You know what that reminds me of? We have six kids. And you know what? When they were hurt, when they needed something, you know what they would do? They would lift their hands and they would say what? Pick me up. Isn't that prayer? Isn't it? That we recognize our helplessness and we lift our hands and say what? Pick me up. I need you. I need you to submit well to authority. I can't do it on my own. I need you to exercise authority well. I can't do that on my own. I need you. So when we're under authority, and we're all under authority, aren't we? When we're under authority, we lift our hands and say, Jesus, help. We pray for our leaders. Do you pray? We pray for the leaders in our home. We pray for the leaders in our church. We pray for the leaders in our country. We pray they would be saved. We pray that they would lead well so that we could live a tranquil and quiet life. We pray that they would lead well so the gospel would be advanced. We pray for our civil government to protect us from one another and others so that we could live quiet and tranquil lives and advance the gospel. And then we pray for ourselves, right? We pray that we would be led well, that we would submit well. Well, Smiley, if we had good leaders, do you know that every wife submits to a flawed husband? Do you know that? Every child submits to flawed parents. Every church member submits to flawed leaders. Every person in every country is asked to submit to flawed leaders because there's only one good leader. And it says that as we pray for our leaders, we should be thankful. Do you know, I I read a bit about Nero this week, and you know, Nero got some things right. He was an awful leader in many ways, but he got some things right, and that's true with all leaders. Listen, they get some things right, and for those we should be thankful. And when they don't get it right, you know what helps me submit to flawed leaders? It's to look behind the leaders and see Jesus. It's to look behind the leaders, and the reason I submit to flawed leaders is because I do it for Jesus. Well, Smiley, do we always submit? That should be our default. We should submit to the leadership in our home and church and country unless they call us to directly disobey God. And we see examples of that in the Scripture, that when the gospel was spreading, um, in Acts chapter 5, the gospel is spreading, the church is growing, and we get this. The religious authorities, when they had brought them, the apostles, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Strider, our global, Strider, sorry, uh, Travis, 
Travis, our global outreach director, is preaching in our World Golf Village campus this week. And he got in contact with the different movement leaders that we work with around the world. All of them have difficult governments to work with. But Ken and India, what they have is like anti-conversion laws, where it's against the law to share your faith and win people to Christ. Listen, that's what was happening here. Quit preaching the gospel. And Peter and the apostles said what? We must obey God rather than men. Hey, folks, you know what? We have freedom now to share the gospel, are we? What are we going to do? What are we going to do when the government says you can't? Are we going to be courageous then when we're not courageous now and say we must obey God rather than men? So that's what we do when we're under authority. We pray for the authority that they would lead well. We pray for ourselves that we would submit well. And, and what about when we're in authority? And by the way, we're all in authority because we all are called to lead who? Ourselves. And the most difficult any one of us will ever lead is to lead ourselves. And so we're in authority. We lead ourselves. Many of us lead our families. Many lead a small group. We lead people we're discipling. We lead in our businesses and maybe in our nation. And listen, to be a good leader is to be a good follower, isn't it? I mean, if we want to be good leaders, we want to put one arm on Jesus, don't we? And then put the other arm on people and pull them with us as we move toward Jesus, don't we? Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11? You want to be a good leader? Want to lead yourself well? Listen to what Paul said. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. What I pray all the time is Jesus... Help me to lead myself well, my family well, our church well, the people I'm discipling well, by being a good follower of Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you in submitting well to authority, and I want to follow you well in exercising authority the way you did. Will you pray for that? Will you say, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me to lead well by following well. Listen, help me to lead myself my family, those that I'm discipling. Help me to lead others by following you well. Listen, this is the greatest time ever to be a Christian. The greatest time ever. And you say, why? Because there's such a need in our homes and church and country for those who will lead well and follow well. And we get to be them. We get to be those people modeling for others that when you follow Jesus, you lead well and follow well. Um, will you? Will you? Will you set your heart to follow Jesus well, will you? So that you can invite others. Hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me as I follow Jesus. That's what our homes need. That's what our churches need. That's what our country needs. People who are willing to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Will you? Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus Thank you for putting on flesh and came, coming to earth to save sinners. Thank you for getting authority right. Thank you for living a life of perfect obedience. Thank you for getting leadership right and being a servant leader. Thank you for laying down your life for us. 
And Lord, we're so thankful you took it up again. And listen, if you're here and you haven't gotten authority rights and maybe you'd like to start over, you need help in submitting to authority or help in, in being in authority, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, we're so thankful we, you've moved in. We need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Lord, help us to, to submit well to authority. Lord, help us to pray for those who rule over us. And Lord, when we're in positions of authority, help us to lead well by following you well. Oh, Lord, I pray that every one of us would say, Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And then, Lord, may we reach out behind us and invite others to follow us as we follow you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.